Treatment of gliomas has been a medical nemesis. Radiation and chemotherapy have had limited effectiveness. What are the next steps? You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Mitchell S. Berger. Dr. Berger is the Kathleen M. Plant Distinguished Professor and Chairman of the Department of Neurological Surgery at the University of California, San Francisco. He is an internationally renowned expert on gliomas. Dr. Berger is the Director of the Brain Tumor Surgery Program, the Neurosurgical Research Centers, and Brain Tumor Research Center at UCSF. Dr. Berger is currently the Principal Investigator of UCSF's Specialized Program on Research Excellence, or SPORE, Brain Tumor Program, and the BTRC's Program Project Grant in Neuro-Oncology, Novel Targeted Therapeutics for Brain Tumor Treatment. Hi, Dr. Berger. What did it mean to you personally, as the Principal Investigator, to be awarded the Brain Tumor SPORE Grant? Well, I think it's an acknowledgement of a center of excellence, and this is a very difficult process to go through with the National Cancer Institute. There are approximately 50 active SPORE centers for all organ systems, and it essentially acknowledges the fact that you have excellence in all domains, including epidemiology, population-based science, and then basic science in many different domains, and then the ability to translate this forward into clinical trials that can affect patients. So it's a very comprehensive type of program, very labor-intense, takes a huge critical mass and commitment, but it creates a center of excellence, and I think that's best for our patients. I certainly agree. What characteristics of gliomas have made them so difficult to treat? This is a wonderful question, and I wish I could give you this answer in some specific detail, but unfortunately what it's turning out to be is a very complicated system biology disease that takes into account a type of a tumor that is capable of invading and infiltrating, turning on the machinery, if you will, to create a new vascular supply and then to insinuate itself in regions of the brain that make it extraordinarily difficult to either remove or treat because of the potential morbidity profile. So that there are so many characteristics of the uncontrolled growth of a glioma that are not just singular in nature, that rely on all these different pathways that work in unison. And if you find a way to block one of these pathways, there are escape mechanisms, as we've seen, that make these very, very smart, intelligent type of tumors. And that's why I think we've struggled with this disease. So it's really going to be a multifaceted treatment program. Well, there's no question about it. And I think that the issue here is always going to be, like in general oncology, no matter where you're dealing with the tumor, it's going to be the issue of trade-off. As we intensify the therapy, whether or not we'll injure normal brain or Now that we're learning a significant amount about the stem cell population, we have to be concerned about our therapies injuring the renewable source of stem cells in the brain. I would assume this is going to require some form of targeted therapy. Is that what you're looking at now? Yeah, I think that's exactly the direction we're going in. If you just step back and think about the field itself, it started 
in terms of a therapy-minded approach with whole brain radiation. And we realized that that didn't gain us much other than tremendous neurotoxicity. We then began to build a small portfolio of drugs that cross the blood-brain barrier. And those drugs, unfortunately, cause significant amounts of bone marrow toxicity. So now, with the discovery of the human genome, and now that we're targeting in on the cancer genome, we've begun to think about an approach called targeted therapeutics. And I think the perfect example of this is in CML and in Gleevec and how that one signaling inhibitor blocked one pathway and resulted in a 99% response rate. So we're trying to recapitulate that in the brain, and that's going to require a targeted approach. Where have you started this work? What are you working on right now? Well, I think that the big push in the beginning, and what I mean in the beginning is, say, five or seven years ago in this approach was to develop a targeted therapy against some of the more common signaling pathways that resulted in uncompensated growth or angiogenesis or invasion. So the major player in the beginning of this whole story was the epidermal growth factor receptor, which we saw overexpressed in 40 to 60% of high-grade gliomas. And that seemed to be a very logical target. We've been through the first generation of signaling inhibitors, and we saw some very impressive responses. But then again, we saw some disappointing failures, and it indicated that there were escape pathways into other signaling pathways that we now have to target in a multi-combinatorial way. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us. You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and my guest today is Dr. Mitchell S. Berger, professor and chair of neurosurgery at the University of California, San Francisco, and we're discussing novel targeted therapeutics for brain tumor treatment. What are some of the other targets that you're after? Well, I think the angiogenesis pathway is another prime example of a pathway that's gone completely out of control in gliomas. So this is primarily mediated through hypoxia, which causes upregulation of a hypoxic inducible factor, which causes vascular endothelial growth factor to be overexpressed and results in angiogenesis. So the classic pathway, of course, is to try to block VEGF or vascular endothelial growth factor and its receptor. And this is where the Avastin compound has had so much success in colorectal cancer. And in gliomas, we've never seen a drug like it before in which we can expect a 60 to 70% response rate. Now, the problem that we're starting to see is that as we shut down angiogenesis, we're actually promoting infiltration and invasiveness. And this is a, a bit of a worrisome finding, but it's led us down the other pathway to look at, which is normally the mechanism for invasion and infiltration, which is so prominent in gliomas. What about changes of the delivery system? You have identified some of the targets. Are you working at different ways of getting the treatment to the tumor? Well, that's for us, it's been the holy grail. We've always thought about the blood-brain barrier as a critical component that we have to bypass in order to get drugs in. So normally we've started this whole process years ago with lipophilic-type drugs that cross the blood-brain barrier readily. However, that just hasn't worked as well as we had hoped. So we're now starting to think of 
smarter delivery techniques. And one way to do that is to take compounds and package them in small liposomes, 30 to 40 nanometer lipid bilayer particles, if you will, that serve as a Trojan horse mechanism that we can give systemically or we can deliver directly in the brain with a technique called convention-enhanced delivery. The strategy here is to move these liposomes readily through the interstitium into the cellular milieu and then to deliver the payload, which could be one of these small molecule inhibitors. So that's a very important agenda right now for us. Could you tell us a little bit more about that delivery system you just mentioned and the convention-enhanced delivery? Exactly. The liposome product was initially developed for breast cancer, given systemically. And what we learned with that in vitro was that it had a very ready access across the cell membrane because of how it attaches to the normal lipid cell membrane in cancer cells. And then it allows the compound to be dumped inside the cell and off it goes into the signaling networks. The problem from a brain point of view is thinking that if we give something intravenously or orally, we're going to be able to get a high enough concentration into the brain. So one way to bypass that is to actually put catheters into the brain and then slowly over days to infuse compounds that can leach out into the interstitium and then eventually have an access into the cells. And we're doing this now actually clinically for Parkinson's disease in terms of delivering gene therapy constructs, and we've done it in brain tumors trying to deliver various exotoxins packaged in the liposomes. And it's been very well tolerated, very safe, and so far it's been, I think, modestly effective. But that's the first generation. And these are human trials? These are human trials, right. Where do you see the next step? Well, I think the next step in this process is going to be to create a smarter particle. So, for example, if we can engineer a liposome, and we can put on it a monoclonal antibody fragment that can find tumor cells that, for example, express the epidermal growth factor receptor, then we've made basically a smart bomb. We've made a liposome that now is immunotargeted specifically to a tumor cell. In vitro, in our in vitro systems, this has an efficacy factor of probably a hundredfold over the non-immunotargeted liposomes. So now we're building the next generation to test in our animal model systems. And if that looks good, we'll go back to the FDA, which has given us approval to start with the first non-targeted immunoliposome compound in humans. So we're excited about that approach. What are the barriers that you're facing to greater implementation of this into clinical practice, the barriers to this enhanced delivery system? Well, I think it's one of these techniques that is invasive. If we use it with convection delivery, it's certainly complicated in terms of building a compound like this. We've had to actually farm this out to a pharmaceutical company in Taiwan and get the FDA to approve their good manufacturing process so that we could bring it back into this country. So it's labor-intensive, it's expensive, but like everything, eventually the process will become less complicated, more automated, and will be less expensive to administer. So 
I think once we break the barrier, having already gained approval by the FDA, to demonstrate that we can move these compounds into the brain directly and show the FDA that it is safe, I think it's going to be a matter of a short period of time before this is common practice. I'd like to thank you very much, Mitch, for being my guest and for discussing with us not only targeted therapeutics for future and current brain tumor treatment, but also what we need to keep this process moving along for the health and safety of our entire country. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com. Register with promo code radio and receive six months of free streaming audio for your home or office. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health.